Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion with our subject on man this morning. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church, Plainfield, New Jersey, United States of America, and we are an independent church. And we thank you all for joining us today. And we will start today with our morning prayer. I'm reading from page 10 of Rudimental Divine Science and page 224 of Divinity Course in General Collectania. You must feel and know that God alone governs man, that his government is harmonious, that he is too pure to behold iniquity and divides his power with nothing evil or material, that material laws are only human beliefs which govern mortals wrongfully. Oh, may the light that is never dim so encompass you that no night is there. May his angels hold thee in his in their power and songs of sign be heard in the intuitions of thought, so your life is in tune with the rhythm of God. Mary Baker Eddy. Beautiful. Thank you, Florence. All right, the watching point. Watch number 499. Watch that you realize that the error connected with the claim of animal magnetism is not that the devil is in us, but that God is out of us. We can regard war, sickness, and sin as merely phases of the claim that man is absent. When we realize the ever-presence of man, we know that there can be no war, no sin, sickness, or death. Since man is the Christ idea of God, forever reflecting the harmony of divine love. Thank you. And comments on a watching point by Gilbert Carpenter. Well, a couple of things came to me. Well, actually, more than a couple of things. But um, first of all, in the, in this in Science and Health, Mrs. Eddy says in definition, one of the definitions of man, that which has no consciousness, a single element of error, and um, that means that consciousness, which has no, not a single element of error. And I, so no war, no sin, sickness, or death in that consciousness, the consciousness of man, which has got mind, God. And then I've been reading a lot about Joe because I've recorded it. And so I've, but one of the, um, at the end of part one, and he says, evil cannot come into the presence of my mind or his mind being the patient. For our mind is God, infinite good. If evil should attempt to come into mind, it will immediately be nothing, just as darkness is nothing in the presence of light. So it cannot come into the consciousness which man is, the Christ idea or Christ consciousness, because then it would be nothing. And so I thought that fit very well with this watch. Yes, thank you. You know, Mrs. Eddy says in Signs and Health that life, truth, and love are a law of annihilation against anything unlike themselves. It's a powerful statement. So when you are in that right mind of life, truth, and love, the divine mind, it will annihilate anything that's not like itself. So that's why no plague shall come nigh thy dwelling. There's great power in knowing this truth. And it's something we all should be exercising within ourselves. So when we do have some untoward thing happen or something, you know, you can check yourself. Were you knowing that you had the mind of Christ? It can't even come near you. It's a definition of angels in, in the glossary. Um, so 
that's why it's so important in the morning that you declare that you have the mind of Christ and you know it throughout the day because it will annihilate anything unlike itself. Anyone else? I found it really helpful in praying for the world um, as well because it, it, it brought out the fact there's really, there's only one type of man. That's God's man. There aren't, two or three or a million types running around. It's the man that Christ embodied, and that's the only one that's present. Thank you. Jeremy? Well, talking about how it's not that the devil is in us, it, that's, a, that's a good thing to know because, um, you know, there's a lot of thought of original sin and stuff like that out there that we have to <laughs> make sure that we don't <laughs> believe in. But also, you know, I know some, there's some measure of this in, in my family, the thought that we're born to lose. So I'm glad that's not true either. <laughs> yeah. Hey, a bunch of losers. <laughs> wow, that's awful. I have um, mentioned a lot because sometimes people will say, how did God let this happen? Okay. It isn't God, it is, and it says it here, it is a lack of God. If anything happens in your experience, it isn't right. It's not that God allowed it. Allowed it, yes. It, it, it was a lack of God. So um, that's why we got to keep his presence with us at all times. And these are only to teach us lessons on, on, to get closer to him. But it's never God. It's it's never God. God gets blamed for all these tragedies, and uh, it's not God. It's, I remember reading somewhere that um, it's not if something uh, happens, it's not um, God. What have you done to me? It's God. What have I done to you? <laughs> that might have been Carpenter. Thank you. Yes. And how can we be the expression of God like we read in the lessons this week and then have all this other stuff going on with us? It can't be. Cannot be. What happens is if you were raised in, in an unpleasant situation, it seems to be all that you know or knew. But it's time now to change that. And you can. Dispel the darkness. You know, it's an absolute fact that darkness cannot come when there's light. It's impossible. So you let your light shine. And it's easy to prove here that God is talking to you every day. So very thankful for that. Thank you. Yes. Very evident proof of it. Right. All of which is true because it's also true that your consciousness is God. That's all that's all that there is to your real consciousness. So if you're conscious if you're conscious of something that's not good, then you are you you've lost God as your consciousness. And the answer to the problem is to regain your true consciousness regain God as your consciousness. And that's why in John 17, Jesus said, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God. Well, how can you know something? Well, it's got to be in your consciousness. And so firmly that there's no doubt about it. And that is how God, that is how we are the image and likeness of God. And that does, that dispels whatever's not right. Jesus beheld in science the perfect man. So, so yes, thank you. Thank you all. So the true man in this watching point is what you are. It's also what everybody else is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because as we've talked about, sometimes it's easy. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm good, but no one else is. <laughs> well, that's not science. <laughs> And it won't work. And it's not love. Yeah, certainly it's not. 
that is why Mr. Sadi, in on page I think 20, 19 or 20 of Divinity Course, again, she says that abide in love, nothing can touch or harm you in love. Know that you live in love. Love is God as life itself. And that we take, we should take this understanding with us and bless others with love. Thank you. Beautiful. All right. Um, Carol, will you read the watching point? The golden point. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm still on the watching point. Sorry. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Thank you. Um, as you can see in this lesson, throughout this lesson, it, it is sprinkled with happiness and joy. Um, and how is that found in man? Because <clears throat> it is his divine right. And as Christ Jesus said, uh, your joy no man taketh from you. So does anyone want to say anything about the watching point? Oh, excuse me. I'll never get off the watching point. Thank you, Well, they Carol. are kind of similar. <laughs> well, not really, but in thank that, you. In that, you know, do, do you have the God of Jacob? Well, have you ever lost the God of Jacob? <laughs> We all have the God of Jacob. The God of Jacob is our consciousness. It's, it's the only mind we have. But do we recognize it? And I think you could, you could translate this golden text to say, happy is he that knows that God, the God of Jacob, is his consciousness and is his constant help. And, you know, you can see now today um, there are those that do know this and then there are those that don't. And they look toward man. They look toward Materia Medica for their hope, right, or for their solutions. And that gap is getting wider and wider. And as our watching point said, I think it was on Thursday, it was quoting what Mrs. Eddy said about Materia Medica. That's a wonderful thing to study and know because it seems to be getting, yes, very big, very dominant. I'll tell you what to do, what, you know, what's wrong with you and what medication you should take. And and those people, <laughs> it's, it's very insecure, isn't it? Mm. Changes all the time. Mm. Um there's no peace, and, and you can see it in their faces. While you can see the people of God have, have joy in their face and peace. Because that's where <clears throat> all healing comes, doesn't come, <clears throat> excuse me, in any other way. So, um, but like I like how... Between demanding the blessing and then demanding the cursing, it seems like they demand the cursing. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. Who was trying to speak? Well, I, I noticed that um, I underlined hope four times in the lesson this week. And, um, you know, it said uh, hope. I looked up. It said the highest degree of well-founded expectation of good as a hope founded in God's gracious promises. And it, it said in First um, Peter, it said, ask you a reason for the hope within. You know, why do we put all our hope in God, our highest degree of expectation in God? It's because we know who God is and that he is the only one that all, where all good is found. And, and in putting our hope in him and knowing that he is the God of our hope, he is the basis of our hope, that we have nothing to fear and, um, you know, all power is there, the power of the Holy Ghost, he said. But I notice that hope is used a few times in the lesson. Yes, definitely. Thank you. Um, yeah, so again, this is where we're we're looking now this takes time and consecration 
Doesn't it? Mrs. Eddy says you can't be here, there, and everywhere. Scatter your fire, she talks about. Um, because some people, well, they just go along. They listen to all this stuff that's in the news and all the tragedy and all the nameless nothing and everything. And then they run into trouble and they think they want to pray, but they don't really have that deep faith in God, do they? It's just like they want to pull a chain this isn't something you just conjure up at the last minute. <laughs> it's something we work on. And as Jeremy said, we have opportunities every day to prove why our hope is in God. And that's wonderful. Um, now, Nancy, I want you now to speak to what you told me, what your daughter told you. Uh, well, yeah, I have um, family members that uh, work in the education field. And uh, they recently made me aware that um, there's a serious mental health crisis going on in our country with our youth. Uh, now there's a large number of children, both in the elementary uh, age and middle schools, that are having issues with anxiety and depression. And I was surprised to hear that they're going to be giving suicide prevention classes to the middle school students. And uh, this made me sad to think that the joy, the innocence, <laughs> the carefreeness of their childhood is is trying to be taken from them, and it's and it cannot be done. And this lesson so beautifully points it out in just about every passage of who they really are. But it's something you know. I would hope that everyone, I, I know that I am in my daily watches and prayers addressing this. And I would just hope that everyone would do that also. Thank you very much. Because you see, if you don't, if you don't nurture the spiritual side of your children or of any child, you don't, um, Nancy's daughter does not have children that's involved in this. She's, she, she does it for everybody else's children. And she's, she, Nancy sent me the most beautiful picture of her with this dog she has. It's a, a therapy dog. It's a pit bulldog, <laughs> which shows, you know, all dogs are loving and kind. And she brings the dog to school to help the children with anxiety. Right, Nancy? Yes. Well, she's a mix. <laughs> she's not a full oh. pit bull. Yes. Oh, okay. It's a loving, loving dog. She was born to be a therapy dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well. Anyway, so if if you're not nur nurturing the spiritual side of your child, and they're on their phones and they're looking at all this stuff that that's out there, and, and they have they don't know a thing about God, no wonder they're depressed and other things. Um, what have you given them? And maybe you take them on wonderful vacations, or maybe they're great in sports or whatever else. But if you don't nurture that spiritual side and give them the truth, then it's a, it's a rough world out there. And I know many of you have told me, too, you have tried to do that, develop the, the spiritual side in them. But there are things going on right now that would try to draw the child from that and make them believe that something mm -hmm. else is real and more powerful than God. So we have to be very proactive in this work. That's why... Uh, Dear Linda, we have that beautiful pamphlet on watches and prayers for children you all should be working with daily, really, um, because it's so important. And it's not just young children, it's older children, young adults. Uh, the hell you say, <laughs> you're not having my kid. Uh-uh, not happening. No way, Jose. We have to have that attitude. And if it seems to be happening, we'll know it's just for a while, but they will wake up and know their truth, true being in God and and know their joy and happiness is in God. Exactly. <laughs> and pray that they, they use their phones to find our website. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I figure they, they're very savvy and they want God and they know, and then they want something and they know that, and that they're going to come to it because... Thank you. They yes. They don't need their parents. Mm. Yes. No, they do not. There's this new movie out, which I have not seen, and most of it hasn't seen, The Jesus Revolution, which is about that, right? And it's got Jonathan Rumi in it. So Carol and Craig saw it. And, and what it was about, what did you say? 
they're looking for something. The, the, the hippies in that movie, it was the hippies. They were looking for something, but they were looking in all the wrong places. That's the way it was, it was brought out. And also the churches were, wouldn't accept them because they looked different. <laughs> yeah. From, yeah. So they were, they were lost. So uh, in the movie, Jonathan Rumi uh, meets a, a minister who's willing and boy, his, his, his congregation grew and uh, the kids were saved and it was, it was great. It was a good movie. Yes. And, and, jo- and Jonathan Rumi plays the, Jesus figure, right? Or the, yeah, yeah, he's uh, sort of the head of the the hippies. He's their their um, their religious uh, leader. Leader, right? Yeah. Craig, did you want to say anything? Well, it was, and it was clear that they started up anti-war. That didn't make sense. They were standing against saying, you know, "This war doesn't make sense," and they wanted answers, but they were finding no answers. So that's how they became a hippie. And it, it started in the beginning. They were looking, they couldn't find anything in the world, so that's why they turned to the drugs. Uh, Timothy Leary, the LSD guy, I mentioned. And and the thing was, it trapped them. Many of them, they they wanted, they they said, I'm still not getting the answers. (laughs) (laughs) And and they wanted to get off of it, but they they were having a hard time. And when they went together to church, they were able to get off of it. That impressed me. So they were able to turn to God and get free from this. Uh, it was a girl thing. Thank you. And um, that this is a true story. And the other movie about that was called Woodlawn, too, which was another revolution, spiritual revolution that took place with, with the youth. And now Carol's granddaughter, who has not wanted to see The Chosen and has been rather turned off by Christianity, right? She went to see this and she liked it. Right? She did. She, she did. did. She liked it. So, so I can't wait till today. I'll. Ask more about it. Yeah. Well, what do you think? Uh, good. You'll see her today. Well, yeah. good. Yeah. Debbie liked it too. Debbie liked it too. Good. What's not to like? Yeah. What's not to like? It's about Unless changing been... thought, not what you see. Right. Right. And and always the answer is love more. Right. The love, love, and not to allow kids into church or what they're wearing or anything like that. I mean, that's just. It makes no sense. It is. It doesn't make sense. I thought this lesson pointed out it's it's not hard to find God. It tells you how to do it. Ask, seek. And you're going to find him. I thought anybody could understand this. I thought this was a very good lesson. That's yes. a good point because that's what they were saying. They, yeah. they were yeah. seeking. That's what they wanted. They were seeking. Right? Um, yes. yes, yes, yes. I know that's how, that's how I found my way through atheism, you know. Christianity that I knew didn't do it for me. I tried atheism. I realized that wasn't doing it for me either. (laughs) Thank you. Keep searching. That's right. I mean, isn't that why we're here? I mean, isn't that why we have a Sunday school? Because, you know, your, your children are not going to find their, their, their spirits uplifted in Disneyland or in soccer practice or any of those other things that could occupy a Sunday morning or in social media that is telling them that nothing good is ever going to happen again. That's a lot of what's going on out there. They go from all of these things empty, really. And I love um, Kratzer's The Law of Right Feeling because he's talking about what is natural or what should be with us, love, joy, peace, confidence, which is opposed to fear, anxiety, worry, grief, doubt, anger, jealousy, envy, revenge, all of those. Those are really the light. They naturally must reflect the light. Mm-hmm. Gone. Yes, and it says that you have to choke those errors in the early stages if you would not cherish an army of conspirators against health, happiness, and success. That's in in the lesson this week in Science and Health. So all of those false emotions must be uh, choked. And this is this is what we we do for ourselves first. Of course, it has to come within ourselves, but then this is what we need to teach children as well. Uh, not to allow all of this hatred and division and all of this stuff. Um, it, it is depressing to be that way. 
And and it's not true. It's not true. It is not true. Well, and that's why Mrs. Eddy says teachers should be judged more on their moral uprightness than on their, you know, the degrees that they have. And for this reason, because the a child's spiritual cultivation is more important than the academics that they learn. Right. And, and you know, morality, the morals. Uh, and, and it says in this week's lesson, too, in the Bible about being courteous. You know, what, what is all this rudeness that goes on? Courteous, it shouldn't be a something that's passe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Should all be courteous and kind to one another. It's not an antiquated idea. It's not an antiquated idea. No, please and thank you, and all all of these simple things that should be getting taught. Um, and it's important that the the home teaches them. Absolutely. And Mrs. Eddy says, happiness is spiritual, born of truth and love. It is unselfish. Therefore, it cannot exist alone, but requires all mankind to share it. So there again, the, the love, the ha happiness has to be because you're sharing it with others. That's what brings true happiness. All this selfish me, myself and I will never lead to happiness, will it? And we know this. So, and the good and human affections must have ascendancy over the evil and the spiritual over the animal, or happiness will never be won. And then, the attainment of this celestial condition would improve our progeny, diminish crime, and give higher aims to ambition. The lesson is, it is, it's just studded with these formulas on how to be how to live a happy, useful life, which we all should be doing, which we all can be doing, and help others too as well. Well, and I think, you know, these are, these are worth thinking about because the fact that happiness can't be achieved outside of giving to others. You, you can't be thinking selfishly and be happy at the same time. It, it's impossible. That's why children need to learn to work. Because they're going to, you know, and there's nothing cruel about it. It's what's going to make them happy. Learn, learning to, to, to do for others. You know, people who have happy careers. <laughs> They do, they're doing what they love to do. They're helping others. And, and, and they're happy about it. It's not a drudgery. This is fundamental. Because it, other, otherwise, if you, don't follow, if you don't follow that rule and love to do for others, you're going to end up depressed. And what a shame. Because it isn't necessary. Yeah, we were taught here the opposite of depression is expression. And it's always the answer. And stop thinking about yourself and do for someone else. I know, as I've said many times, that's my definition of hell. It's only at myself to think about. Holy Moses. That's <laughs> just hell. And I, I know there was time in my life when I did it. I was all just involved in everything that was going on in my life. And sorry, that's not where it's at. And what did you say, um, Jeremy, about uh, what Olivia said about now working? Working is. Oh, that's right. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff on the Internet about how working is bad. And uh, it's just like, you know, the government and the quote man trying to <laughs> trying to steal your dreams and, and ruin your life, <laughs> which uh Got an earful from me about that. Everyone has value to give. That is mm -hmm. what it is all about. So you give that value, and that's how societies are built. So and she's appreciating that now. She is appreciating that now, and I'm very grateful that God brought a hard worker into her life, <laughs> so, <laughs> and she's grateful for it too. So. Yep. 
Yep. Um, it flies. It is. But it's, it's like a drone. And, um, yes. and you just have to, I know when I first came here, so I had consciously, well, it seems like 24-7, just keep the good thoughts coming in to drown out and handle that thing that anatomicism cannot lie, can I hear it lie, and on and on daily. It goes for everybody. Thank you. Yeah. Was that Tony? Yes. I was uh, just kind of thinking back what you were saying, Mary, about, you know, what brings what brings happiness, and that's, you know, doing for others. The The Bible did bring out godliness with contentment is great gain. That's in Timothy. And, uh, you know, having food and raiment, let us be there with content. I was thinking, you know, what is, what's the real, uh, beyond just what the physical, maybe food and raiment, but g- being given uh, an understanding of truth, an understanding of truth, uh, being able to use and demonstrate truth, that's a, uh, a huge blessing that we've been given to have. And to cultivate a contentment with that rather than the searching for happiness elsewhere. Because I think that's why, you know, kids or even adults, you know, definitely experience these other feelings. They're just not, their contentment is being put in the wrong place. Because if you try to find contentment in anything other than God, I can tell you it can be taken away from you. And, and it most likely will. And it will so be, will. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. So that's why there's no security there, and that's why um, there's no hope there. There's nothing. And and those who have seek something other than God for for their happiness are miserable. So always have to remember this and and share it as much as we can with others. Yeah. There is- there was, I don't, it might have been in book two of the Greckle series. I'm still making my way through book two. And Mrs. Eddy had said that gold were the, the thoughts that you have that actually heal and that true silver are the words that you speak that are healing to others. That's not a direct quote, but to your point, you know, that's, that's how you can help people. You know, the silent, the silent prayers, that's the gold. And then what you speak to someone to help them, that's that's silver. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I think that's in Collectania. Thank you. That's beautiful. Yes. And I think, no, I think if we insist on being disobedient to the commandments, Jesus' two commandments, you know, he includes the neighbor. Love your neighbor. Love God, you know, everything about God, and then love your neighbor as yourself. So if you insist on disobeying those two, then you can't be surprised that we suffer from it. Absolutely. We have those commandments and Sermon on the Mount for a very, very good reason. It does make us happy. And that's what the children in Sunday school are learning this. This is what makes you happy. And, you know, they don't have to necessarily be in Sunday school to learn it. But someone has to teach it and be an example of it. Right. And as Tony mentioned... It, it really helps a lot to to know what it is that you're loving. Mm-hmm. That is to know what God really is. Because unfortunately, there's a lot of yeah. false concepts as to what God is out there. And and you can't you can't love something that is not lovable. <laughs> That's or not right. deserving of it. And they're right to reject these false concepts of God, um, because how can you love? This old theology, God, you can't. That's where Mrs. Eddy comes in with a God of love. I don't love a big guy with a beard up in the sky somewhere that I can't find half the time. Sorry. That's capricious. Yes. Yes. Again, in the story of Job, um, it's brought out in Ricky's article how um, Job's captivity did not turn until he prayed intelligently for his friends. Thank you. That's mm-hmm. a, a big thing. One little verse in there, but yes. Mm-hmm. When he prayed for his friends, everything changed. Um, so interesting. 
we're meant to love each other. Without love, what's it? What's the point? Yeah, love alone is life. So, and that's what brings true happiness, even if it's just a dog or a cat that you love. You need to love something, and you can build on that. <laughs> so, and Mrs. Eddy had this love that was universal. And that's the divine love, and that's the love we we can express. And in the definition of man in recapitulation, um, Mrs. Eddy says we are the image of love. That always helped me a lot because that means we all have this capacity to love. So we don't say we don't know how. We do know how because we're we're the child of God, and He loves, and so therefore we love. Yeah, and, now, and I'm you gonna, won't forget gonna, it if you. If you if you practice it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You won't need to be reminded. So there was a lot more on that, but I, I want to switch gears now because uh, last week we brought up um, Mrs. Eddy being the woman in the apocalypse. And um, oh, my goodness, I got so much, so much sent to me on that really almost volumes, but very important things, some of which I want to share with you now. Um it was mainly um, dear Carrie and Louise, but this is something Carrie sent to me. It's from Paul Smiley, who has much to say about this. Paul Smiley, David Keeston, um, two very strong voices on Mrs. Eddy being the woman in the apocalypse. So this is from um, Paul Smiley. Christian scientists are quite willing to admit that Jesus fulfilled Bible prophecy but they are not willing to admit the same for Mrs. Eddy. Isn't it interesting that the people of Jesus' time were willing to admit that Moses and the prophets fulfill prophecy in God's plan, but not Jesus? For years, those who accepted and saw Mrs. Eddy's place in the Bible prophecy as the woman have, have by the general Christian science population, been regarded as emotional fools. Well, what they get told is that you're, you're deifying her. Okay, with regard to my articles and the many letters I received over the years, very few were written in opposition. Of those, none was able to use the books to prove his or her contention that Mrs. Eddy was not the woman, while I have used the books extensively to prove she was. It is becoming increasingly apparent from which corner the emotion is coming. And then he says, Christian scientists are deifying board members and churches, officials in Boston, teachers and practitioners, even readers. If our position cannot be defended in the books, our position is not worth defending. Just as we saw the danger grow in Germany as a result of resisting Mrs. Eddy's place, so we subsequently saw what the official stand of the Mother Church in publishing the six points in recognition of her fulfillment of the Bible prophecy produced. When these six points were published in the June 5, 1943 Sentinel, there were six major turning points in World War II which favored the Allies, who until that point were losing the war. The truth about these points was seen prior to this time but it had no great effect on the world until the official position of the Christian Science Board of Directors concerning this issue, issue was declared and published. And then he goes on. Can you imagine what in our time the official rejection of these six points is brought to the world? No need to imagine. I won't go into all of it. But he he brings out uh, at that time there was a, a group and they wrote uh a 57-page, I guess you could call it an article, which substantiates the fact that Mrs. Eddy is the woman in the apocalypse. And it was after that they reduced it to six points, which we will read at the end of this session, um, which were uh, put in this 1943 Sentinel, which, as Smiley brought out, changed the course of the war, World War II. And then they were also put in the 1962 Sentinel. Um, it was also brought out. They were Carrie. No, I guess this was Louise as well. She said um, the study was turned over to a special committee known as the Committee of Six for use in preparing Mrs. 
preparing a statement on Mrs. Eddy's place in biblical prophecy. The Committee of Six was appointed by the Christian Science Board of Directors and was made up of six editors and former editors of the Christian Science Periodicals. The committee's statement was approved by the board and published in the periodicals under the title Mrs. Eddy's Place in 1943. Later, it was sold as a leaflet in Christian Science Reading Rooms from 1972 until it was discontinued in 1978. And um, that was around the time we were excommunicated. 1970s. Yeah, it was the end of the 1970s. Yep. Yep. So, and a lot of other things went on at that time. I think Carrie gave me a list of who was on that. Well, and it was in after 1978 that the pamphlets were taken out of the Christian Science Reading Rooms. Right. That's what I just read. Right. Yeah. Right at that time. The editors, normally I don't mention names, but it was kind of interesting because we have known most of these to be very good workers. Mrs. Eddie, Mrs. Evans at one time gave us a list of workers after Mrs. Eddy's time, who were good workers who wrote good articles in the journal and Sentinel. So the six editors were Albert Gilmore, Judge Clifford Smith, W. Stuart Booth, Duncan Sinclair, Violet Kersamir, and George Shaw Cook. And they had the guts to publish it. To do this, yes. So, um, as I said, we have lots of information. It goes on and on and on. Um, some of this, too, let's see, there was more that Louise sent. Oh, these are also from the Smiley Books. Quotes. We must defend our leader, Mrs. Eddy says. You cannot suffer for defending me, which is acceptable in God's sight. That's from the Blue Book. And then Attacks on the discoverer and founder of Christian science are attacks on the cause itself. When will you see this and stop these efforts of animal magnetism to destroy us? It's also the blue book. Many minds are at work to keep us from seeing our leader correctly. We must declare against this lie with an absolute conviction of its nothingness. And then the unillumined human mind writes incorrect articles and books about Mary Baker Eddy. Everyone that learns, and then a quote, everyone that works to harm me shares the same fate, and all who try to help me are signally prospered. <clears throat> now, part of the problem is, because also around this time, the authorized biographies about her were the Peel books, and now they tell me the Gill book. These, Some of these have interesting things in them, but they humanize her. Even before I knew any of this, the Peel books literally made me ill. So, and this is what the feel quote is reading. So no wonder they don't have the right sense of who and what she is. So then they don't realize that she is the woman in the apocalypse. And time and time again, Mrs. Eddy has said, knowing this will prosper healing and prosper our cause. So it's part of who and what we are. Those who truly understand Mrs. Eddy, those who don't, if you read the Peel books, you wouldn't get there. Um, Nancy in Texas, who she was a dear friend of Paul Smiley. She knew him. She was almost, I guess, like a secretary for him or something. She has sent us invaluable things. And she she says, that, I truly believe the chosen is the fir first witness rising up in Revelation 11. And every time we mention about her place in prophecy, that is the second witness rising up as well. Now, we know that the um, the chosen is, is showing us Christ, right? And that certainly is the first witness. And then the second wit wit witness would be Mrs. Eddy. And it was interesting, too, in, in our um, reading of or sorry, watching of The Chosen. Some of us have this movie night. This week we came upon the, the, it was in season three, where Jesus declared himself to be the Messiah. Those of you who have seen it, remember, in the synagogue. And what happened? 
They're going to throw them over the cliff. <laughs> they wanted to throw them over the Yes. Yeah, for false prophecy. So this is this is why Mrs. Eddy did not want to go around announcing it, certainly when she was here, and where we must be wise in who we talk to about it. Um, as I said, you don't go around and, you know, tell people that your, what your name is and that we believe this. This isn't the first thing you tell people about Christian science. If you ever tell them at all, there's a lot more important things to tell a newcomer because there probably will be some chemicalization. But um, as I've said before, so many false things about about her that are being written that um, it's time now that this get out. It's time. She did it. What David wrote, Keystone wrote, what prospers healing. It was beautiful to read. She did tell her students when they said to her mother, we must know, you know, we have to love you. And she said, if you had not said this, I would have told you. Thank you. Thank you. That's beautiful. It's a, it's a good quote to remember. She has said it, but she's careful who she said it to at the time. And that's true of us, too. We're careful of who we say it to at the time. Wise as serpents. Wise as serpents. And that is a very also important article written by Keeston, What Prospers Healing. So what we're intending to do now are getting the biographies, which truly tell her. If you hear about all the healings that she did and the story of her life, not written by just one person, but several people who knew her, you cannot deny it. It's undeniable. It's just undeniable. So the only reason that people don't understand it is they don't know. And I have had people tell me, wow, I didn't know this. Um, this is from a commentary. Who are the two witnesses in the book of Revelation? It's that one I most of you might know. I've got questions or something like that. It says in Revelation 11 is a description of two individuals who will help accomplish God's work during the tribulation. I will appoint my two witnesses and they will prophesy for 1,260 days. And um, nowhere does the Bible identify these two witnesses. So anyway, it's well, that's about three years. We got to do this. <laughs> Thank you. Three years. We have to do this. So, and also, those of you who get the um, Andrew Hartsook, um, this most recent one, he shows where the decline in the movement really came. And it was really after this denying the Bliss Nap book, after taking the pamphlets out of the reading room. I mean, the decline has been going on very strongly now. So um, it's time that this truth get out. And, and Christian science and Mrs. Eddy be reinstated as to who and what they are. And I thank you for all of the people who sent me things, beautiful things. In the beginning of the report, it makes it very clear that that's no way the extent of uh, extensive collection of information regarding her place. That was just wow. the particular ones that they pulled. Wow. Thank you. And Carrie sent me, it's so beautiful, um, an interview with Reverend Mary Baker G. Eddy by Sybil Wilbur. Now, she wrote another good biography about Mrs. Eddy. But this was, in this interview, it's just beautiful. It was in the Sentinel of 1905, and I know Carrie's listening, because I'd like to know if this is under copyright, because we will put this on the website, because you all should read it. Uh, I mean, in just this interview, she had a true sense of who and what, Mrs. Eddy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Should be, yeah should it should be, be good. It should be, should be well, fine. Yeah. Good. Okay, well, we'll put that on the let right. Jeremy know. All right. I marked it. And we'll give credit to the Sentinel. All right. We are going to end now with these six points that were beautifully written after studying <laughs> a lot about Mrs. Eddy's place. 57 pages, right? And then right, Louise yeah. had another one of even more pages. And then, yeah. and we have that too. We have that too. 92 pages. Yeah. Right. And this first appeared in, in the June 5, 1943 Christian Science Sentinel for anybody who wants to check. All right. 
The Christian Science Board of Directors wrote, the position of the Mother Church as to Mary Baker Eddy's place in the fulfillment of Bible prophecy is clearly set forth in the following paragraphs. These conclusions are not new. They are confirmed by our leaders' writings, and the steadily unfolding fruitage of Christian science bears witness to their truth. One, Mrs. Eddy, as the discoverer and founder of Christian science, understood herself to be the one chosen of God to bring the promised comforter to the world, and therefore the revelator of truth, of Christ, truth in this age. Two, Mrs. Eddy regarded portions of Revelation, that is, chapter 12, as pointing to her as the one who fulfilled prophecy by giving the full and final revelation of truth, her work thus being complementary to that of Christ Jesus. Three, as Christ Jesus exemplified the fatherhood of God, she, Mrs. Eddy, revealed God's motherhood. She represents in this age the spiritual idea of God typified by the woman in the apocalypse and refers to science and health, page 565, 13 to 22. Four, Mrs. Eddy considered herself to be the God-appointed and God-anointed messenger to this age, the woman chosen by God to discover the science of Christian healing and to interpret it to mankind. She is so closely related to Christian science that a true sense of her is essential to the understanding of Christian science. In other words, the revelator cannot be separated from the revelation. Five, this recognition of her true status enabled her to withstand the opposition directed against her by the dragon, malicious animal magnetism. She was touchingly grateful to those who saw her as the woman of prophecy and who therefore trusted, obeyed, and supported her in her mission. Six, this same recognition is equally vital to our movement, for demonstration is the result of vision. The collecting of this indisputable evidence of our leader's own view of herself and of her mission marks a great step forward. Wisely utilized, this evidence will stimulate and stabilize the growth of Christian scientists today and in succeeding generations. It will establish unity in the field with regard to the vital question of our leader's relation to scriptural prophecy. As we record these important facts, we remind Christian scientists of our leader's words in miscellaneous writings, page 308, quote, The scriptures and Christian science reveal the way, and personal revelators will take their proper place in history, but will not be deified, end quote. The Christian Science Board of Directors. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.